Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to My Guys in the Desert. It's a Wednesday. Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and who's on the show today but Smoking Dave Koken and Chad Andrus from uh, Denver. We're going to talk a lot of college football, NFL, and uh, baseball betting. And JVT on yesterday's show, we talked about a couple mm-hmm. potential live dogs last night in MLB. One, the Blue Jays, one, the Angels. Let's talk about the Blue Jays first because uh, they knocked out a Cy Young favorite. Garrett Cole, early in last night's game, now he left with uh, a hamstring injury. Hamstring injury. Hamstring injury. But um, Garrett Cole gave up uh, three runs and three and two-thirds innings, five hits. And as we talked about on yesterday's show, he was the Cy Young favorite at DraftKings of minus 275. And he did not pitch like a Cy Young favorite last night against the Blue Jays. No, but you know who did? Steven Matz. And that was one of the aspects that we were talking about, right, was if you looked at Steven Matz from his numbers a little bit deeper down in terms of the analytics, what he had done as of late, Steven Matz is a quality pitcher who had some really good things going for him. If you looked at him in the month of August, talk about a 130 ERA, and his two starts here in September have been really good. And again, yesterday, Steven Matz, six innings pitched, seven hits, just one and run, struck out six different uh, Yankee hitters, and that was the big problem, right? The Toronto Blue Jays bats were working very well yesterday, went deep a couple of times, but for the most part, it was this Yankees lineup yet again, humans, right? Hitting into untimely double plays, getting held down, and Steven Matz was a really big part of that. I thought it was a pretty impressive performance from Matz yesterday. Yeah, it was, no question about it. It was not an impressive performance by the Yankees once again. They've yeah. dropped four in a row. Their offense has been uh, 
pulling a disappearing act. What's going on with the Yankees offensively? Dude, I don't know. And like I said, like so, like you know, the, the double plays for them this year have always been a big problem. That's been tracked for quite a while. They had another one yesterday. Uh, there were just a, a lot of instances where they're just getting caught. You know, Stephen Matz at one point, I think it was Brett Gardner who he caught really hard uh, looking on a really neat curveball. Like it just lined up as just really out of sync. And even the times in which they're making contact, they, they're just not making contact enough. There was one. It sounded like a really hard. I think it was Giancarlo Stanton, if I remember correctly, hit a really hard fly ball out to right, and you're like, ooh, maybe this one's gone, and it just dies <laughs> right, in the right. middle of the field, and, the, and then the boo birds start coming out. So, you know, this lineup, it's baseball. It's a, it's a game of ebb and flow, ebbs and flows. The problem is when you spend the first half of the season messing around and not performing up to task, yeah. then all of a sudden when you get into those ebbs late in the year, they cost you dearly, especially against an opponent who's in the running right behind you in the wild card race. Well, the Yankees don't have much of a margin for error at this point, yep. and uh, they're right there in the thick of the wild card hunt. Let's take a look at the wild card standings. Uh, the Yankees have wasted an opportunity to really pull away here in the wild card. After that 13-game win streak now, they are, what, 2-8 and eight in the last 10 games. Mm-hmm. It hasn't gone very well. And remember, too, at one point they had gotten to with it. Was it four games? Or I think it was even three and a half in Tampa Bay, right? It was somewhere yeah. in that range where they four got games. really yeah. tight uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays. But now all of a sudden, because they have lost these four straight, because they're two and eight in their last 10, and the Rays are taking care of business, and they're seven and three in their last 10, they've won two straight. All of a sudden, now you find yourself nine and a half games back. No sniff, like you're not sniffing the division and barely in control of a wild card game with Toronto. With again, Toronto coming, they still have a couple of games left against Toronto as well. So those series are going to be massive for them, uh, but it's just it's not even just losing these games. It's losing games to the teams that you need to beat because they are behind you. Like These are massive games that they're dropping, so hopefully this lineup comes to play, but you can't really figure it out because from a talent perspective, it's there, and there's times where the lineup looks incredible. It looks like an all-star lineup right. when, when everyone's healthy for the Yankees. I guess we don't have the graphic on the wild card standings, but the Yankees are a half game up. Red yep. Sox right now um, as the second wild card. Blue Jays two back. Mariners three back and A's three and a half back. So you got five teams fighting for uh, two spots there in the American League. In the National League, uh, the Padres have that second wild card, but they're tied with the Reds, and the Phillies are two games back with the Cardinals and Mets three and a half back. So uh, that's a situation where you have four teams fighting for one spot. How about Packy Naughton? Hell yeah. Uh, we talked about him yesterday. He pitched five innings last night, allowed two hits. He did not outdo a Blake Snell, but he was good enough for the Angels to get the win at a big plus price against the Padres. Yeah, well, it looked like uh, the, we talked about live dogs. The Angels looked like they were going to be dead for a while. They were getting no hit really deep into this game. Yeah. Uh, but then, sure enough, what's the thing we kind of spoke about with Blake Snell? It's that, you know, he's been going long in these games. Is it a third consecutive start over, say, you know, of at least seven innings? And again, as he gets late into that game, walks a couple of guys, and then sure enough, Angels make some magic with that, and they can score, and they end up winning four to nothing. But Naughton was solid. Five innings pitched, two hits. I'm sure he's on his way to be the opening day starter next year for the Anaheim Angels. Well, <laughs> the low-budget Angels probably will say, hey, we don't need to make any big moves in the offseason. We've got Packy Naughton right, to lead the like, rotation. Yes. Like, just watching this in, uh, 2021. All right, quick break here on My Guys in the Desert. in the Sports Betting Network. It's my guys in the desert from the South Point on a Wednesday. 
Matt Humans, JBT, and uh, soon to join us, Smoking Dave Koken of ESPN Radio in Las Vegas, longtime professional handicapper. JBT, I want to peek ahead to uh, Sunday night football. Uh, we've been breaking down all the games on the NFL Week 1 rotation on this show this week. We haven't talked about this game in depth, so let's do it now. Bears and Rams. Rams now 7.5-point favorites, total of 46.5. And, and the Rams had the number one scoring defense in the NFL last season. I'd say one of their strengths is the defensive line. The Bears' biggest weakness, probably a patchwork offensive line. Mm. An immobile quarterback in Andy Dalton. This looks like a really bad matchup for the Bears on Sunday night. Yeah, I think it really does. I, from that perspective, right? And I think there's questions to be had with the Rams, right? You lose your defense coordinator and what that's going to happen and what that's going to look like for this team last year who were so dominant in so many different facet, uh, facets. But that is the key matchup. It, who in the world is going to stop Aaron Donald in this front seven, and namely just Donald? And I just don't know if there's going to be an answer along that front line. By the way, it plays into why I didn't really think it was best to start Justin Fields, right? It, talk about Loa started his first game against Los Angeles Rams last year, and it was, from a statistical standpoint, a nightmare for him. So right. I just think that when you looked at that from that perspective, it's why. But I, I can understand why the number is as high as it is given that matchup. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, humans, like, I, I still have my reservations about L.A. offensively. I think there's a really strong argument to be made that the issues with the Rams in terms of the way their offense kind of sputtered out over the last season and a half is due to scheme and potentially the National Football League getting into and you know catching on to Sean McVay's scheme sure. as opposed to quarterback play. Injuries in the backfield, the running game is an extremely important part of Sean McVay's system. So what that looks like for this team in this matchup, not that the Bears, they're a different team defensively than they've been the last few years, but I just want to sit back and watch this Rams team because I'm just not sure. I think they're going to be good, but I have a sneaking suspicion that the market is just a little too high too early on Los Angeles. No, I would agree with you there. I don't know that the Rams are going to come out firing yeah. uh, right away offensively because Matthew Stafford didn't play in the preseason. You could say, well, you know, he's got training camp practices. Uh, that's enough. You don't need the preseason. The preseason's overrated. Matthew Stafford's going to be ready to fire. But, hey, you're still, uh, I think, working in a, um, a new backfield rotation yep. with Stafford. He's got to develop uh, chemistry and timing with his receivers. I think it's asking a lot for the Rams to come out and uh, hang a big number on the Bears right away. But I don't think it's asking too much to Rams to win this game by double digits. And I do think they're going to win by double digits. The Bears have got problems defensively. And, mm-hmm. you know, you think of the Bears as a really good defensive team. Khalil Mack has, um, has not been a disruptive force recently that he was. when he, As soon as he arrived in Chicago, he looked like uh, he was going to bring the 1985 Bears defense back with him. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, that wasn't the case last season. Michael Lombardi talks about it a lot. And he's right. The Bears, um, the Bears are mediocre at best on the defensive side. And when your offense is not very good, that's a problem. Andy Dalton's not going to be able to move around behind that that offensive line, which is is going to crack. It is going to break down. It's going to crack. Uh, do you start Justin Fields now? You're not going to do it right now. But I think Fields. Dalton, let's see. The Red Rifle is going to be on a short leash. And Justin Fields could be in there by the second half. It could be in there by the second week. I don't think it's going to take long for Matt Nagy to pull the trigger. But in this matchup. It's going to be an immobile Andy Dalton against a, a fierce Rams pass rush. And I, I just don't see the, – the more I look at this game, I just don't see a path to winning uh, for the Bears in this game. And that's why I put the uh, Bucks and the Rams on a teaser mm-hmm. uh, this week. I haven't laid the seven and a half with the Rams or the eight with the Bucks, but I did put, you know, both on a teaser. Bucks minus one and a half, Rams minus one and a half. That's the way I decided to play that. But 
if you wanted to lay the seven and a half with the Rams, I'm not going to argue. I, I do think it's going to be a double-digit win. Yeah, I, I would agree with the sentiment. And look, I just for me, there's a couple of these teams that I really want to sit back and watch because I don't feel like I have a good read on them. Right? The Rams are one of them, which is why I wouldn't get involved with something mm-hmm. like this. But to your point about the Bears' defense, you know, it should be noted that this isn't—it's more reputation than anything else. Exactly. If you look at some of their numbers, PFF graded them extremely poorly last year as an entire team in terms of pass coverage. Uh, they dropped off a little bit in football outsiders DVOA metrics in terms of pass defense as well, and some of that has to do with that pass rush. So I still have my questions about that too. So this is one for me. It's going to be sit back and watch, and I'm just really intrigued to see what the this Rams offense looks like now that you have big arm Matt Stafford, you know, pulling the trigger because this is there is an argument to be made. He raises their floor, but again, has the scheme been figured out by the NFL? Which is if you read some of the analysis behind this and listen to people who are smarter than me and film analysis, could be the reason why. Right. All right, Dave Koken tweeted, it's a Las Vegas Sports Ryan reunion today on VSIN Live as he joins you and me here on uh, My Guys in the Desert today. Uh, Las Vegas Sports Line reunion it is. There he is, smoking Dave Koken. Dave, how you doing today, on, man? guys? I'm fine. I agree with uh, your, your comments on the Rams, uh, by the way. Uh, uh, I, I don't like big favorites as a rule in the NFL, but, boy, it's tough to make a case for the Bears here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like big favorites either. That's why... I played a rare teaser with uh, the Bucks and the Rams, and uh, I, I guess if I were going to play a big favorite this week, it would be the Rams. But, uh, Dave, let's, uh, before we get to college football, let's talk a little bit of baseball. What do you think's wrong with the Yankees suddenly? We, we talked about everything that was going right during that 13-game win streak. Now all of a sudden they lose four in a row, and the offense has disappeared. What do you see with the Yankees? Yeah, yeah they've still got holes in the lineup. Uh, uh, look, I, I wish he'd do better because he's a Las Vegas guy, but Joey Gallo's been a bust. Um, I, I think he's uh, maybe feeling some pressure of uh, having to perform under the bright lights in New York City as opposed to where he was in Texas. And I'm not sure I'd have him, I'd have him in the lineup right now. I think I, I might have to sit him for a couple of days. He is making some important outs for this team. And he, when you've got a guy who can't do anything in the middle of the lineup, it can really affect the offense. Dave, it's the, it's the lineup that's been up and down, and the, the bullpen for me has been a pretty big issue, too. How, how big of a problem is the bullpen for New York if they're going, let's say they make it into a wild card spot? Like, I just don't trust them. When you're going to Heaney for some of these innings because you're trying to find something, like, it's been a problem. Yeah, Andrew Heaney, not the answer. No, look, I, I think I've said this all year about the Yankees. They're a decent team. I mean, they're, they're clearly better than average. But are they the best team in the American League? Not really. Tampa Bay is better than they are. They've got a much more balanced lineup. Uh, and the Rays just, the cash seems to work magic with that pitching staff. And the Astros, on paper, are just better. Um, so the Yankees are down there with the other teams that will probably make the playoffs, uh, but certainly don't look like the team that's going to get to the World Series. Yankees and Red Sox sticking close to each other in the standings right now. How about the uh, Blue Jays and Yankees tonight in the Bronx, Dave? I'm sure you remember Alec Manoa's first uh, major league start. It was against the Yankees right here uh, on this mound. Luis Gill going to start for the Yankees, who are minus 125, total of 10. How do you break down that matchup tonight between the Blue Jays and the Yankees? Well, Manoa had a bad inning last time up, but seemed to settle down after that. He's been terrific, but, you know, Gill has been kind of a savior mm-hmm. uh, for the Yankees in the appearances he's made. I think you might get a little bit of a pitcher's duel here. Uh, and uh, I, I maybe lean to the Yankees a little bit, but the Blue Jays are so hot right now, I don't want to lay even 120. All right, let's go to another AL East matchup. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays continue to pad their lead in that division, uh, Dave, and now they get the Boston Red Sox yet again. This has been a wild series and a fun one. So now you get Nathan Evaldi uh, versus Shane McClanahan. We saw some spots open on the overnight Rays, minus 125, but that is now essentially pick across the board with a total of 10. Where are you at? 
Yeah, big game for the Red Sox, and at least they're not that they have any really good guys in the bullpen right now, but at least their better guys got last night off uh, because they they were out of the game very quickly, and they used guys like Michael Feliz and and Brad Peacock to mop things up late, and they didn't do very well. Uh, tonight, Ivaldi can give them six or seven innings. They might be able to get this one done. McClanahan has looked a little bit shaky lately. I think the Red Sox might win this one. All right, how about the Dodgers? One game back of the uh, Giants with 23 games to go. And Mitch White's going to start tonight for the Giants against Adam Wainwright. Boy. And uh, Dave, do you think Wainwright might be a live dog tonight against the Dodgers? Why not? He's yeah. as hot as any pitcher in baseball. Uh, he's been just absolutely great down the stretch. His nickname's Uncle Charlie for the curveball, and if you've watched his recent performances, you know why. He has been spot on with his command. I think Cardinals can win the early portion of this game. Uh, I didn't get plus 115. I had to settle for even money, but I took Wainwright and the Cardinals to win the first five. How do you explain the Padres losing six in a row at Petco to the Angels? Last <laughs> night, Blake Snell looked like he was working on a no-hitter. Next Packy thing Naughton. you know, Packy Naughton and the Angels beat the Padres uh, 4 nothing. And now, Dave, you have to wonder, are the Padres a playoff team? Tonight, you Darvish starts as about a 270 favorite. Uh, uh, is your money on the Padres to make the playoffs and finish the season strong or not? I, I No, I wouldn't bet him to make the playoffs right now, but I'm not sure I'd bet anybody else to make the playoffs right, either. Right. Maybe they should just cap it at the Giants and Dodgers, <laughs> and, uh, and right. that's it, Let the, and, and the Brewers, I guess. Um, I, I'm, I'm not laying 270 with the Padres. There's no chance. Hugh Darvish really needs to step out and pitch a good game tonight. He has not been good in the second half. Some of it's been because of injuries, but the fact is you, you cannot justify him being this much of a favorite over anybody right now. Dave, really quickly on the Padres and like the market perception of them, it's kind of stuck out to me. Like the market's been kind of stubborn and moving off of the perception how good they are. Right? Like you talk about minus two seventy here today with Darvish, even though he's been struggling. Yesterday, Snell's been awesome, but well over three dollars against the Angels yesterday. Uh, have you kind of noticed that, is or is that just me? Because the Padres, in terms of the market perception, is it's been stubbornly high. I think part of it is when you look at the, each matchup individually. Yeah, the Padres look like they're the right side. Uh, they just haven't been performing in unison lately. Let's put it that way. When they get good pitching, they don't hit. And when they get bad pitching, that's when they hit. And it's often not enough. Uh, I can't explain it. I, I will say the guy in the dugout seems to have had a penchant for making some of the – he's made the wrong moves mm-hmm. on several occasions. And that might be an issue. I mean, he, let's just say he's get, been getting out managing games. And he got out managed by Dave Roberts. I don't know if that's a – yeah, that's, that's not great. <laughs> he's He's been outmanaged by Dave Roberts by a wide margin. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I felt the same way. All right, Dave, let's go to college football. How about Toledo and Notre Dame? What are your thoughts here on the Irish as 17-point favorites off that Sunday night thriller where they blew an 18-point fourth-quarter lead? And this Toledo team's one of the top teams in the MAC. Yeah, I think Toledo's one of the two best teams in the MAC. You know this is going to be a big spot for them. Uh, the Irish coming off a, a tremendous effort uh, in that game against Florida State. I mean, look, that was a great football game. I think Notre Dame maybe relaxed a little bit, and then Mackenzie Milton came in and worked some magic late in the game, and the Irish had to escape. And I thought that Brian Kelly's postgame comments were kind of spot on. I don't think Notre Dame played as well as he would have liked to have seen them play. Uh, they need a better effort here. But that's a lot of points to be laying to a very capable Toledo squad that's had extra time to prepare for this game and also has some game film to look at now. All right, let's go to uh, Ball State and Penn State then. How do we expect the Nittany Lions uh, to handle a big win on the road last week? Now you get a, a Ball State team with a lot of returning guys. It looked to be a quality program. Opened 22 at Circa. You got to 23 on the screen, but now down to 21 and a half. Yeah, I took 22 and a half. 
And this is on handicapping theory, not my power ratings, because interestingly enough, my number on the game was 22 and a half. So it's normally a game I just would skip by and say, well, that's the right price. Let's leave it alone. Uh, but in this case, I, I do think there's some theory that comes into play here. You've got Penn State coming off an upset win. It was an upset. It wasn't a huge upset, but it was an upset win in a game in which they did not deserve to win. They were clearly outplayed. Wisconsin just completely screwing up five trips inside the 25-yard line where they got no points at all. Uh, that's awful. So now you've got a team that won a game they shouldn't, dropping down in class, laying points, and they've got Auburn coming to State College next week. I think it's a sandwich spot. Ball State capable enough to maybe hang inside the number. Not much chance to win the game, but I think Ball State plus the points is worth a bet. Actually makes a lot of sense. Smoking Dave Koken, former star of the Las Vegas Sports Line. Find him at Wager Talk and also at Dave Koken on Twitter. All right, let's go to uh, Eastern Michigan, Wisconsin. Did the Badgers bounce back off that loss to uh, Penn State? And Dave, I'm not sure what to think of Graham Mertz. You know, since that big debut against Illinois last year, he has not been very good. No, I don't think he is very good. And I think in big games, that's going to be a problem for Wisconsin. But this does, does not qualify as a big game. I know all the technical handicappers are going to be on Eastern Michigan here because Wisconsin's got some pretty bad numbers in, this, uh, in these situations. But I don't really pay much attention to that. Um, I've got to think the Badgers show some killer instinct off a game they blew last week. It's as simple as that. The running game should flourish here against an Eastern Michigan defense that's pretty soft up front. Uh, I think Wisconsin gets a big win in this game. So the technical cappers and myself will be on opposite sides here. I like the Badgers minus the points. All right, what about late night? Holy War, Utah and BYU. Utah on the road opened up six. Dave, we're now at the full seven with a total of 49. Fooled around with Weber State in the first quarter, but then ultimately pulled away. And BYU, I thought, looked a little less than impressive against Arizona. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I didn't think they were impressive at all. Because uh, I, I don't think much of Arizona. Uh, I, the coach might improve things there, but quite frankly, I'm surprised Arizona is getting as much attention as they are uh, getting from book from uh, better, betters this week. I, Arizona going to the favorite in that game has me on San Diego State. If for no other reason than to me, it's, it's value at plus two. So I took the Aztecs there, even though I'm not impressed with them. But I, I, BYU showed some soft spots last week, uh, and Utah has owned this series. I'm not a big history guy as far as college football goes. But it's, I think, nine in a row yes. for Utah. So it, it's, it hasn't been the holy war. It's been the holy massacre for the most part. I think Utah's too good for BYU and gets them in the long run here. Uh, Utah by about 10, maybe 12 points. Nine straight for Kyle Whittingham and the Utes against the Cougars. Did not play last year. They got fortunate to uh, miss Zach Wilson in the uh, 2020 yeah. season. Uh, Davis, Stanford as bad as it appeared last week. USC 17, 17 and a half over the Cardinal. Yeah, you think the David Shaw reverence has worn off at this point? Um, <laughs> I think so. I mean, he was, you know, when Stanford was going well, it's like, well, which NFL job is David Shaw going to get? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. And they look, they, they're getting worse each year. USC, I think USC is going to be the team to beat in this conference. Now, Washington's got a slew of injury issues, uh, and their cluster injuries at wide receiver really hurt him last week. Congratulations to Bobby Houck, former UNLV coach, mm -hmm. for guiding Idaho to a great upset. Uh, I think USC, with a lot of momentum against the Stanford team that's going in the wrong direction, might be a real easy, a very easy win for the Trojans. All right, there he is, smoking Dave Koken on baseball and college football. Dave, always appreciate the time, man. Great to see you. Fun here as well. Have a great weekend, guys. All right. JVT. LV Sportsline Reunion. The producer, the I'd two like stars. Run. Yeah. <laughs> you were the producer yeah. of that show. 
Uh, I'd like to run down the entire college football card with Dave Koken, but we didn't have time. Yeah. We hit as many games as we could. Back in a couple minutes on uh, My Guys in the Desert. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free...
We are live from the OddsTrader.com studio at South Point Casino. Go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now, and start winning with up to the second info you need. Real-time bet tracking, live in-game odds and stats, much more, OddsTrader.com. JBT, let's check out in on the San Francisco Giants. Brandon Crawford hit a three-run homer in the sixth inning, uh, but the Giants have um, lost the, uh, they did not have the lead. It was tied 3-3. The Giants have now uh, allowed the Rockies to surge in front on a solo home run by Diaz in the bottom of the sixth. So the Rockies lead the Giants 4-3. Yeah, as Diaz went deep, he gave the lead back to him. Rockies were up 3-0. It looks like the Giants were in for a tough one today. They tie it up, and then the Rockies come right back and get a one-run lead. So uh, San Francisco... Uh, Again, back and forth, right? What's the term Vinny uses? Toggling back and forth the Los Angeles Dodgers in that division um, for that lead. So, again, you know, it, when you're only down by one game, if you do lose games like this, it's not massively important, but I don't think you want to lose to the Colorado Rockies. No, but at the same time, we've talked about this a lot. It's uh, The Rockies are one of the best home teams yeah. in baseball this season. People just disrespect the Rockies. Up nearly 20, uh, 24 units, if, you, uh, if, like, if you're talking about all the home games this year for the Colorado Rockies. Well, they're up uh, nearly 20 games. Okay. 45 and 26 is the Rockies' home record. 45 and 26 at on the road, 18 and 50. So uh, the Rockies at home have been a pretty good bet. You can't say, "Well, this is a bad loss for the Giants." For they fall to the Rockies. Coors Field's been a tough place uh, for opponents to win. The, Bra- the Braves just went up there for four games and split with uh, right. the Rockies. So yeah, it is a really tough spot. All right, so the Giants lead the Dodgers by one going into today. The Giants do hold the season series edge against the Dodgers, 10 to nine. So keep that in mind. But the uh, Dodgers facing a red-hot pitcher tonight. How about that? You did not expect to say that about Adam Wainwright, did you? The red-hot Adam Wainwright uh, goes for the uh, Cardinals tonight against the Dodgers. Yeah, and it's one of those two where uh, it's like I I had looked it up this morning and, like, going through all the pitchers, and you you look at the numbers and you realize, like, holy crap, like, he really has been untouchable for a really long time. If you look at the month of August, he had, what, four starts in which he went, oh, five starts, excuse me, which he went at least seven innings. Three of them he went seven, one of them he went eight, and then he pitched a complete game shutout of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, like, I don't think if you look at it overall, the competition hasn't been great. I think that's the argument you kind of make for Wayne Wright. Mm -hmm. If you look at, again, August, you're talking about three starts against the Pirates, one against Kansas City, one against Minnesota. He's not been facing the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Rays, whatever. But if you look at some of his statistics, humans, you're talking about a 291 ERA, 374 expected field to get a pennant. So while there's room to kind of come back to to earth here for Wayne Wright, it's not like he's, like, coming plummeting. He's still going to be a really good pitcher. So everything that you've seen from him indicates that these numbers are pretty tight, and you can kind of expect similar outputs as you go forward. So I wouldn't, I would not push back on anybody who wants to look at Wainwright in St. Louis and expect him to again continue to perform at this level. Now, the fact that to me, like I like to take my shots against the Dodgers against left, with left-handed pitching. We talked about it before, statistically mm-hmm. average against lefties, but still the way that Wainwright has been pitching, you know, I would not fault anybody for looking in that direction. Uh, yeah, we talked about a couple of potentially live dogs in baseball last night when we were looking at the Blue Jays mm-hmm. and, the, and the Angels. Uh, tonight, I think the the number one candidate to be a live dog in the schedule is the Cardinals, a plus 115. So you can definitely make a case for Adam Wainwright against the Dodgers uh, tonight. Can you make a strong case to back the Angels again tonight against the Padres? It's Mike Mayers against you, Darvish. So Mayers is going to be the starter for the Angels. Darvish at minus 270 at Petco. And uh, last night, man, it, it, I watched almost the entire game. Yeah. It's just stunning to watch Packy Naughton and the Angels staff just <laughs> shut down the Padres with everything that's on the line for the Padres. How do you come up that flat? Yeah. 
when you got when you got packing on painting 92 mile an hour <laughs> fastballs on the corners, right? right? right. Like, uh, but no, and I think to me, so we talked about the market and the perception of the Padres and all of that. And 270 does seem a little high given the struggles of you, Darvish, how bad he has been. He hasn't come close to like anything mm-hmm. serviceable uh, over the last nearly two months now. My problem is, uh, Mayers is a bullpen guy. You're only going to get two innings out of him, and it's not going to be a good two innings. And a bullpen game for the Los Angeles Angels is not a good thing, right? Their bullpen is one of the worst in Major League Baseball. And when you're asking that pen to get you through the entirety of a game where your starter's only going to give you two, that leaves me a lot of pause. Like you're going to have to get a lot out of the Angels lineup. So, again, we go back to what we talked about yesterday, which is team total over. If you want to take your shot with the Angels, something like that. Again, yesterday was two and a half. They go over. They went four nothing. I think that's the way to attack it as opposed to asking them to win this game. I'll tell you how I would attack this, it. okay? Tell yeah. me what you think. I'm not going to endorse the underdog again tonight. Okay. I think the Padres got a lot of frustrated hitters who are going to bust out tonight against this Angels staff in a bullpen game. I think if you want to play the Padres in an over parlay, that might be the way to do it. The mm-hmm. Padres are not going to lose tonight, even though Darvis has not been that great recently. Maybe look over the total of eight. I would agree. I'm kind of surprised to see it eight shade of painted to the under ever so yeah. slightly. I thought it would be eight and a half shade to the over. All right, quick break. We come back. We're going to talk Believe It or Not. Not the great TV show. This is AFC playoff teams, Believe It or Not. For you to huddle up with the VSIM Pro Football Betting Guide. The guide is only $19.99 and available now. Profiles of every team with advanced stats, power ratings, best bets on season, win totals, and more. Sign up for VSIM All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at vcin.com slash subscribe. Jonathan, you know the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, right? I was sorry. I was a little distracted. I just went and unfollowed Wayne Larrabee on Twitter. I, I, was just, uh, I was just alluding to the fact that he offended me one time, so I'm out. We were talking about that during the break. Take that. <clears throat> Last year, apparently, on the edge, Wayne Larrabee, Wayne Larrabee, who calls Packers games, JVT tried to make an analytical case anti-Green Bay, right? Yeah. And he interjected, Jonathan, you know the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was told I don't remember this at all, but uh, Ben Wilson, our <laughs> producer, told me so. I am retroactively offended and went and unfollowed him. So he's now at still twenty three point nine million or thousand followers, but uh, one less. Take Aaron Rodgers supersedes all analytics. <laughs> I mean, he didn't for like five consecutive years. But I know. Yeah. <laughs> Last year he did. Yes, he did. All right, AFC playoff teams, believe it or not, this is like the old TV show Ripley's Believe It or Not. JVT, I'll ask the question, you answer it. Uh, Denver Broncos playoff team, believe it or not. And these numbers are from the Westgate Superbook. The no minus 165, the yes plus 145. Which case do you want to make for the Broncos? I think I will make a tepid case for yes. 
because they're they're look they're obviously an extremely talented team at almost every single position, mm-hmm. right? The defense looks like it's going to be very good. They have they have phenomenal edge rushers. They have a good secondary, skill positions off the charts at wide receiver, running back you really like as well. I think there's some slight question marks about this offensive line in terms of their ability to run block at a high level, pass protection I think too. But overall, it's you would you would love to have this roster if you're any NFL GM, right? It's one of the more talented rosters, and they also have if you look by forecasted win totals for next season or this coming season, they want to easy schedules in the National Football yes. League. So if you're going to get an average to above average level of play from your quarterback position, i.e. Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, I would assume you're going to see both of them at some point, you can navigate your way to the postseason. I would want a little bit more uh, in terms of the price at plus 145, but I think there's definitely a path for them to be a wild card. That's well said. I was thinking the same thing. I, I, I look at the Broncos' schedule. I like the way it sets up. I think this defense could be a top five defense in the mm-hmm. NFL. I was talking about the Patriots having a top 10 defense, possibly a top five. I think the Broncos are up there in that elite class of defenses. And you tend to forget how good some of these playmakers are around Teddy Bridgewater in this offense because Cortland Sutton missed time. Actually, the Broncos last year were really beat up by injuries, and that's why they look so bad. If this team can stay healthy, I I like the Broncos as a playoff team. As you said – I'd like him a lot more if that price was plus 175 right. or something like that instead of 145, 150. But uh, I'm not opposed to taking a shot on the Broncos as a playoff team. I tend to believe it. Let's let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Your Colts, basically a pick em here. Yes, plus 105. No, minus 125. We do have news today that Carson Wentz was a full participant in today's practice. I just think there's too much volatility there for for the Colts, right? Like, I think, again, when you talk about prices, this definitely has to be, for me, a little bit more than plus 105 to say that they're, there's a path again there, mainly because of the division that they're in. Like, that's that's four mm-hmm. teams that are all it's just a, right around the it's same It's a two-team division this year. Uh, I mean, it is, right? yeah, between it's the Titans Colts and the Colts. T- Colts and Titans. But on any given day, like, if the Jags beat the Titans, will you be surprised you know, on one night, right? Or right. If they, uh, vice versa. Like, these are just four teams who will cannibalize on one another. Uh, but I think with the Colts, there's volatility. There's volatility with the quarterback who led last year in a very wide margin in turnover-worthy plays, who has regressed as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Left tackle is an issue in terms of injuries. Skill positions have been beat up. T.Y. Hilton's not going to be available at the beginning part of the year. And there's an argument to be made that their defense has been playing above level just because of the scheme and the way that they have. So I just think I want more. I think the path is there for Indianapolis, but that should be closer to like plus 145 or so, I think, for Indy to make it. I just There's too much, too many moving parts for me to realistically think Well, the moving parts that concern you the most are T.Y. Hilton's injury. Right. Carson Wentz's status. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to be healthy for week one, it looks like, but can you count on the guy for 17 games? He said six weeks like of practice total in the offseason with this team, I think is the, the uh, article that I was reading. So, like, that's is that what you want to roll into this season with, right? Yeah. So, I think that's, that's part of the problem. And look, there's good skill positions there. The running back core is really good. Jonathan Taylor leading the way. Naheem Hines, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about the Colts. Yeah, it's just at the most important positions, you have some volatility that you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. And to me, that just leaves me off. So, I, I would say I had stronger case for the Broncos to make the postseason than the Colts, I think. You know, when I when I forecast NFL seasons for teams, I look at, you know, it's, it's no secret. You're going to look at the coach. You're going to look at the quarterback. Mm-hmm. After that, the first thing I look at is the offensive line, and, and the next thing is the defensive line. And I think you, uh, you have to like everything you see with the Colts. Obviously, Carson Wentz is still a question, mm-hmm. but you love the Colts' offensive line. Yep. Especially when healthy. Right. And, and like that, that hasn't been the case so far, but when, when the Colts' offensive line is healthy, 
top three offensive line in the NFL, right? Right, especially yeah. if Fisher's going to come back healthy at some point, like the left tackle spot is filled up. If Quiddy Pay works out, there will rave reviews out of camp about Quiddy Pay so, on defensive end. So there, there's things there, but at plus 105, I'll pass. Okay, we talked about the Broncos in the AFC West. How about the Chargers? Yes, plus 115. No, minus 135. A lot of sharp betters like the Chargers. Yeah, and there's definitely a path there, right? If Justin if Justin Herbert is going to maintain his level of play that he did last year, you know, one of the things that I've brought up that kind of bothers me, and it's been cited quite a bit in any of the analysis around him, is it was phenomenal. One of the best quarterbacks under pressure, but that seems to be volatile from year to year that doesn't maintain itself. So how does that how does that manifest itself going forward? However, however much we want to talk about the talent on this Chargers team defensively, this is still a team in the mid-20s in terms of defensive efficiency a year ago. So we've yet to see the talent really come together mm. on that end of the ball. Does the new coordinator actually change those sort of things? So I think there's definitely a path there. I think this offense looks phenomenal if you're getting the same thing out of Herbert that you did last year. Um, so I would say yes. I think the Chargers and the odds represented do have the strongest path out of all of these teams to make to the postseason. Would it surprise you if in two months we're talking about Justin Herbert in that cliche sophomore slump? No, not at all. No. <laughs> not, not at all. Right. Uh, same here, even though I'm about the biggest Justin Herbert fan you're going to find. How about Steelers at plus 175? No, minus 200. AFC playoff team, believe it or not, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's getting to the price where you can tempt me to make a play on Pittsburgh. Mainly, so much of this focus is on Ben Roethlisberger right. and how he's going to play because their defense is a playoff-level defense. It's whether or not that offensive line holds up and whether Ben Roethlisberger, who last year career-worst and averaged up the target, career-worst and deep passes 20 or more yards downfield, changes those things, and it's very important to note that last year was coming off of an elbow injury, so maybe that's part of it. Only one touchdown off of play action last year for Ben Roethlisberger. Like, they had no, no threat of the none. run. So yeah. if those things change, which is certainly possible, I think they're totally a playoff team. Right. So if you're talking about plus 175, plus 180, that's getting to the range where I think that's totally worth looking at. When you look at the AFC North, you get the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns. You throw those three teams in a hat. I think most people are going to say they prefer the Ravens or the Browns, and the Steelers would probably be the third choice, but I'm not going to discount the Steelers right now. I'll ask you, would it surprise you at the end of the year we have three AFC North teams in the playoffs? No, it would not surprise right. me. It wouldn't surprise me if you had three AFC West teams either. <laughs> yeah. You know, but who knows how that's going to work out right now. You can't have both. All right, let's take a quick break here on My Guys in the Desert. We're going to finish our rundown of the NFL Week 1 rotation next. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. 
And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... from the OddsTrader.com studio at South Point Casino. Go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now, start winning with up to the second info you need, OddsTrader.com. All right, JVT, NFL Week 1 is here. One day away from the kickoff of the season, Cowboys and Buccaneers, and we've uh, we basically analyzed the entire rotation, except for three games. We have three more to get to, and one is a common best bet for you and I, and the number has moved a little bit, so... It's uh, not as strong a play as at minus three as it was at minus two and a half. But let's take a look at Dolphins, Patriots, and I've talked about Tua. Uh, I don't. I don't really care about any of the positive news coming out of Dolphins camp about Tua. Yeah. Right? If if they really believed in him, we wouldn't uh, hear all these reports about uh, trade talk with Deshaun Watson and the Texans. And I, I do think where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't think the Dolphins are all in on Tua. And, of course, you're going to start to read positive reports because they want him to believe that. Hey, you're the guy. You're our guy. It's a lot of nonsense. That said, going into uh, the game this week in Foxborough, I laid two and a half at the Patriots here for a number of reasons. And one of those is if Tua 
is going to beat a, Bel- be- beat a Bill Belichick defense this week. I need to see it to believe it. And if he does, I'll tip my cap to him. Nice job. Well done. But like I said, I need to see it to believe it from Tua. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, so when it comes to that, you have a shaky offensive line in front of him. The other day I gave the stat, but uh, for those who weren't with us, right, uh, an offensive line who gave up uh, pressures to Tua Tungavailoa in his 10 games on 29.1% of his dropbacks. Right? Yep. That's a lot. And almost a third of his dropbacks he was pressured on. Uh, but to me, you know, it's it's about Tua Tungavailoa, but it's not the other side of the ball too. The Dolphins, for me, for one of my they're one of my regression candidates. Uh, I'll do the numbers here, uh, but I, I think <laughs> when you look at them, one of the things that sticks out to you: twenty nine forced turnovers last year, eighteen interceptions, yeah. eleven recovered fumbles. The eleven recovered fumbles are incredible in their own right. It's a lot of turnover luck that could be regression this year. By the way, ten interceptions to one guy, Xavier Howard. Yeah. Right. So I think when those turnovers aren't going to start appearing, all of a sudden now you have a defense last year that was below average in many categories against the run. 16th in adjusted line yards per carry allowed. Second level yards per carry allowed, they were 19th. 26th in defending power situations with third and fourth down with two yards fewer to go or goal to go situations two yards and in. They gave up conversions at a 71% rate in those situations. Now you get the sixth best run blocking offensive line in the National Football League from a year ago, a deep back, a deep backfield and a better tight end core here. I just think the matchups on both ends of the ball, whether it's a bad offensive line or a shanky front seven that might get exploited a little bit more, just doesn't work, I think. So I thought this should have been at the very least a flat three. That's why I laid two and a half underneath the key number. It's moved to three, and I think this is where it should stay. Uh, so the Patriots had one of the top ten run blocking offensive lines last year. Mm-hmm. That offensive line's a lot better this year. Yeah. And I think that that's the key for Mac Jones. We were talking about a rookie quarterback. He's going to have support from the running game. He's got tight ends. He's got more playmakers out there to work with. Uh, that's why I think Mac Jones is going to be successful. Tom Brady didn't win six Super Bowls with the Patriots because solely because of Tom Brady's greatness, right? A lot of those Patriots teams had awesome defenses. Mm-hmm. And just like he had with Tampa Bay last year, a great defense that led the way against the Packers and the Chiefs. Uh, and I think the Patriots have that might have that type of defense again this year. I love the depth on the defensive line, the talent, uh, basically on the front seven. Uh, I think the secondary is good enough even uh, early in the season here when it's a little bit shorthanded. Uh, it's not going to surprise me a bit if the Patriots have a top – they had a top 10 scoring defense last season, a top five, a top three defense this year. So that's why Mac Jones doesn't have to be Tom Brady. He's got a great support system on both sides of the ball and on the sideline. Yeah, I think for me, if uh, the one thing that I want to see from the Patriots defensively, and you know, Dante Hightower is coming back, so hopefully that helps them out a lot, right, because he, of course, opted out last year. Patriots ranked 30th or lower defensively in three out of the six rushing categories of football outsiders tracks. That's not very good, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to be able, you got to be better up front, but guys in the middle, like a high tower, are going to make you a little bit better. Calling those shots, you improved your front seven, so I think you get a little bit better. But even if that's going to be a problem for them this year, humans, we're talking about a Dolphins team again who I don't think is going to be able to run the ball very effectively because of the status of their offensive line. Right. So that's something big picture for the Patriots, but I think there's so many matchups that work in their favor here. So go with New England. Even without Stephon Gilmore. And the one thing that yep. does concern me a little bit is the Dolphins did a great job of putting, a, you know, receiving weapons around Tua this mm-hmm. year. Oh, yeah. They're, try- they're trying to do what they can to help Tua take the next step. He does, but are the Dolphins going to be able to run the ball here against the Patriots? I, I would say probably not. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be a big key to this game. If the Dolphins are going to go to Foxborough and compete, if not pull the upset, I bet the Patriots minus two and a half, and I think that's the same number you you bet. Yep, first bet I made for week one, Patriots minus two and a half. All right, let's look at the Broncos and the Giants. I do not have a play on this game, but Teddy Bridgewater's got 
a uh, pretty good spread record on the road, mostly in the underdog role. Here he's a road favorite, laying three to the Giants, total of uh, 42. Yeah, and this is, you could put this on the list of potential teaser candidates if you wanted, right? Tease up, you get the three already, tease up to the seven, mm-hmm. sitting in about nine for the New York Giants. I'm kind of surprised that the market is this like bullish on, on the Broncos in this spot. So I know that there's a lot to dislike about the Giants, but remember, last year, nine and seven against the spread, and remember that stretch of nine games, they went seven and two against the spread, they had that stretch where they lost four of five, but they lost those games by an average of just three and a half points. Right. This is a relatively competitive team, and there are things to like about the Giants defensively. Blake Martinez, Dexter Lawrence in that front seven, Leonard Williams, this was quietly on the fringes of the top ten in terms of run defense last year, the New York Giants, and a, and a lot of key statistics. So I think if you look at it from that perspective and you start from that front seven and onward, you know there's a case to be made that against the Broncos offensive line, that wasn't one of the best in terms of run blocking last year. 28th in adjusted line yards, 32nd in rate of run stuff behind the line of scrimmage. Like there is a case that this Giants front seven kind of controls this game because, right, the Broncos want to run the ball. They're not going to spread things out and start throwing it all over the field. They're, they're going to be a conservative offense, mm-hmm. especially with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, the market's really strong on Denver. I, I get it. It's because of this is talent on the roster. But I just think that this Giants team might be slightly better. But I, I have too many question marks about what Daniel Jones is going to do with this offense that ultimately stayed off. But I'm surprised that the number is as high as it is. I am too. I'm actually tempted to take the Giants plus three. And by the mm-hmm. way, Saquon Barkley has been cleared, so yep. he's going to make his return uh, at a full three points. Uh, I'm actually considering the Giants, but as of right now, I'm passing on the game. Uh, I'll tell you another game I've kind of gone back and forth on here, and I hate waffling on any game like this, but the Packers and the Saints. You see this number get up to four, four and a half. You start taking, I think, a more serious look at the Saints. The game obviously moved from New Orleans to Jacksonville, but the Packers road favorites total of uh, 50. And uh, have have you played this? No, on the side or the total? It's on my, my long list to, and to look at here. But I, I will say this. We get so wrapped up in offense, and, and so much of the conversation around New Orleans this year has been Jameis Winston, this offense, the 30 interceptions, all of those sorts no of things. No Michael Thomas. No Michael Thomas, right? But, but we ha- I think we keep By the way, don't forget also Will Lutz is out for the Saints. He's one of the best kickers in the league. Yeah, yeah. and that's a fair point. But I think we keep forgetting with the Saints how good they are defensively. Right, this was the second best team behind the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of defensive efficiency. The third best pass defense, the second best rush defense. Their front seven is great against the run, and you expect that to again be the case this year. And so, if their path, like their path to winning, is through that, right? It's being able to control this game from a defensive standpoint. And look, I think we're we, hearing comments out of Green Bay, right, in terms of handling the humidity and the heat, making sure guys are hydrated, ready to go. I wonder what that situation is going to be like overall. So, I, I could see a lower scoring game here, given the change in the venue and what we're looking at in terms of weather between the, you know, in this matchup. And, and I just like the level of defense that the Saints bring to the table. So if we're going to continue to climb like four and a half in that range, like I, it's definitely going to be Saints or pass for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I'm thinking too. Now, let's talk about the Packers offensively because uh, it looks like that A.J. Dillon is going to be a much bigger part of that offense mm-hmm. this season. Dillon had a big game at the end of last year. I like him a lot. Second year running back out of Boston College. Aaron Rodgers did not play in the preseason. Do you think the Packers are going to pick up where they left off offensively, or is that too much to ask? On the road, 
in the heat and humidity against the Saints in week one. I think it is a little bit too much to ask. I don't think the Packers are going to light up the scoreboard this yeah, week. Yeah, I think that's fair, especially given the level of opponent that they're facing, right? And like, group, group, like when you have guys like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, an assistant that they're familiar with at this point, it's fair to say, yeah, we don't need that much preseason work because we're probably going to get right into it. We know everything. But there is something to be said about this level of competition you're facing in the environment that you're going to be in in terms of heat and humidity. So I would agree with that. Like, I would expect this to be a little bit more rust than just hit the ground running for the Green Bay Packers in this kind of environment. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, too, on the flip side for Green Bay, Zedarius Smith, one of their better edge rushers, probably yes. not going to be available right. here. And so when we go bring this back to the Saints and their offense, it's a pretty solid offensive line in front of Jameis. Is he going to be under a lot of pressure? And you would think that Sean Payton's going to give up a game plan that is familiar, or excuse me, not familiar, safe, and, and really works with his strengths. So it, this is the Saints offense is really a big question mark, but I think you got a really quality defense that's going to keep you in this game. Like I said, I hate to waffle on a game early in the week, and I had to do a picks contest. I turn in Packers plus three. As the week goes on, I'm starting to like the Saints more and more at a plus four. And, you know, one of the keys you just talked about, too, the the Packers are going to miss one of their best pass rushers, if not their best pass rusher. Mm -hmm. And the Saints have uh, one of the – I still – the Colts are up there. The Saints are up there. Top five offensive line in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons Drew Brees was so effective, even when he didn't have the arm strength the last couple years. Brees would get rid of the ball quickly, but he was behind a great offensive line. He he wasn't getting hit that much. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jameis Winston's got the support system of the offensive line. He's got the coach who's going to know how to call the plays. You still have Alvin Kamara back there who's one of the best running backs in the league. And quietly, you know, you talk about pass protection because we always fall back to these quarterbacks. Keep in mind, this was a top five run blocking unit from a season ago, too, for the New Orleans Saints. And I think when you looked at some of the weaknesses for Green Bay, if they were going to get exploited, think about the times where they've gotten blown out, right, by certain teams, especially like San Francisco. How about Tampa Bay last year? They they went on the road to face the Bucs and got beat 38 to 10. Remember that? And because their front seven at times has not been the best against the run. Like, that has been an issue for them in the past, right? And if you look at some of the numbers from last year, Green Bay was in the bottom half of the league and a lot of key metrics for football outsiders rush defense metrics. And so I think that's, that is a path to victory as well for New Orleans. All right. Thanks to uh, Smoking Dave Koken, who uh, hit leadoff this hour for us. Next hour, Chad Andrus, Denver radio host. We're going to talk some college football with uh, Chad and also hit on that Broncos-Giants game. Uh, the number is on the move Thursday night. Cowboys, Buccaneers, if you haven't looked at the board, uh, we have a line change here at the South Point and several other books around town. Uh, so we're about 27 hours away from the NFL kickoff. Uh, it's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. My guys in the desert will be back in a couple minutes with uh, hour number two. Stay tuned. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. 
I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.